0: But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So far, the word of God. Let's respond to that word by singing Psalm 143, 1, 4, and 6, and we'll do so standing. This afternoon, I proclaim to you the word as we confess that in Lord's Day 33 of the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 33. There we confess the following. What is the true repentance or conversion of man? It is the dying of the old nature and the coming to life of the new. What is the dying of the old nature? It is to grieve with heartfelt sorrow that we have offended God by our sin and more and more to hate it and flee from it. What is the coming to life of the new nature? It is a heartfelt joy in God through Christ and a love and delight to live according to the will of God in all good works. But what are good works? Only those which are done out of true faith in accordance with the law of God and to his glory and not those based on our own opinion or on the precepts of men. So far, our confession. Brothers and sisters in the Lord, and boys and girls who belong to him. Serving God in thankfulness, and that's what the third part of the catechism is all about. Serving God, not to be saved then, but because you have been saved in Christ. Serving God in thankfulness, the spirit of Christ works that thankfulness in us too having redeemed us by his blood Christ also renews us by his Holy Spirit we confess in Lord's Day 32 and we we celebrated that re- redemption through Christ's blood on the, his sacrifice on the cross this morning with the Lord's Supper so then it, it's it's appropriate that this afternoon we also then deal with That thankfulness for that. And then, specifically, Lord's Day 33, about the renewal, the regeneration that that sacrifice of Christ and that redemption of Christ is intended to bring about in us, in in our lives, in our walk of life. And what is that renewal, that regeneration, that conversion? It's a, it's a 180 degree turn. You turn around and face the other way. Instead of going with the stream, you end up going against it. The stream of the world and then especially the stream of your own sinful nature. So then not a 45 or a 90 degree turn, a kind of a, a thing, but a 180 turn around. That's a big thing. If you think about it. The Bible speaks in Romans 6, Ephesians 4, Colossians 3, and other places of, in terms of putting to death the old nature, your old nature, putting it to death, crucifying it, and, and then putting on a whole new nature, a new nature renewed in the image of Christ. And Galatians 5 and 6 speaks in terms of flesh and spirit which war against each other in us. With that in mind, I proclaim to you the gospel as we confess it then in Lord's Day 33 with the theme of true repentance. We pay attention to three things in connection with that true repentance. It's through Christ, it's for God, and it's with struggle. True repentance through Christ is through Christ. Congregation, once in a while, you're driving somewhere and you see an abandoned farmhouse out in the country, weeds all around it, roof in bad repair, some windows boarded. No one lives there, just rodents and insects and vermin, mice, rats, bats, snakes, maybe a coon or two. Spiders, they make a mess out of the house. They've pulled into, they've taken up residence there, make a mess out of it, and over time, the place is going to cave in if it's left to them. Well, let's say somebody bought that house and that property. They paid good money for it. Person saw something in it, so he made it his own possession. And then he let a good friend move into it. So that, owner, that house has a new owner and it has another resident. But even though someone else now owns a place and someone has, else has moved into it, that doesn't mean that all the insects and rodents and varmints are all gone right away, that they move out right away. They don't want to give up the place that they made their own home. The new resident will have to work hard for a while, if he's going to live there, to get rid of all those creepy crawlies. It'll be some time before the house is completely free of them altogether. Only when the exterminator finally comes will the house be free of all the creatures that live in it. And that's kind of the picture of the house of our life. Taken over by the devil and his host. By sin. Conceived and born in sin because of Adam's fall. Inclined to hate God and the neighbor. Unable to do any saving good. Inclined to all sin. All kinds of sinful desires creep in around the houses of our lives. Like vermin in that abandoned house. Over time they bring the house of our life to complete ruin. If... They are going to be the only residents in there. But Jesus Christ, we confess that right from Lord's Day 1. He has purchased us, bought us with his precious blood, made us his own possession, freed us from the power of the devil, and then he sent his Holy Spirit to reside in us and to renew us. And yes, Christ's spirit then goes about working those fruits of the spirit in believers. Those fruits we read about in Galatians. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That renewed nature. But that doesn't mean that that old nature, those old sinful desires are gone right away. All those pests want to stay on in that In that house of your life, they're not going to give it up just like that, without a fight. They want to keep living in you. Oh, eventually they're going to all be exterminated. When we die, we'll die to sin. Or if the Lord Jesus comes back, instantly renewed, completely and totally, inside and out, And we'll be free of that vermin, and our houses, our lives will be completely filled with the Holy Spirit the Spirit of holiness and goodness and perfect love forever. But until then, even though the Holy Spirit lives in the house of my life with His good fruit, renewing me, my old sinful nature with all its evil desires, wants to still live in me too yet. And yes, something has drastically changed in me. The old nature has been crucified with Christ, put to death with Christ, as Paul writes Romans 6. And Christ is now my owner. He bought me with his blood. I'm now under grace and heir to eternal life. His spirit... Has taken up residence in me. It's promised at my baptism. Confirmed at the Lord's table. I've been bought by Christ. His spirit wants to take me over. But that old nature and all its desires still do their best to hang in there yet. And so there's that conflict in me. The spirit fighting against the old sinful desires that still want to hang in there. And those old sinful desires fighting against the new light the spirit wants to work in me. And see, that's repentance. That's what repentance is. A life of repentance. The life of a believer. Is a battle. It's a battle going on inside me. It's the battle of the spirit trying to get rid of the remaining vermin in the house of my life. And it's a back and forth battle for my life, my heart. And that battle is going to go on until I die. And when I die, that old nature will be completely exterminated. I die to sin, as I mentioned before. But in the meantime, repentance has to take place. Ongoing repentance. Martin Luther once said it. When the Lord Jesus said repent, then he meant that our whole life would be an ongoing process of repentance. A constant battle, in other words, a battle though of which the outcome in believers is already sure. The victory of the new nature over the old is sure in Christ who died and rose for us again. But we're still here in this life and it'll be spirit versus flesh every day again for all of us. And that's why worship is so important every Sunday again. Congregation, that you're here under the proclamation of the word. That you're here for the sacraments which Jesus calls you to. He wants to call you to repentance through these things every time again. Every time the word is opened, it's a call to faith and repentance. And we need that, don't we? That constant call. We need it. And then we need to be here, but we also have to have ears to hear. Not to be here, or to be here and not to listen, for that, that is to grieve the Spirit, to resist the Spirit of Christ who bought you. And to resist the Spirit is to give the house of your life over to those destructive pests, those sinful desires again. So, let's be open to and filled with the Spirit by taking in the gospel of Christ every day in your own devotions, but also every week again here together under the call to repentance and to faith and listening, having ears for that call. For when you draw near to God, the vermin in your life gets out and the spirit can clean and renovate again. We come to the second part of the sermon. True repentance is for God. The catechism works out from the Bible what conversion or repentance is about. The dying of the old nature with its sinful desires. And at the same time, the coming to life of the new nature with its desire to do God's will. Maybe maybe you wished it was a lot simpler. Just, uh, you know, a list of ten... Or even a hundred do's or don'ts that you need to do to show that you're a repentant person. Checklist for you to do and not to do. And that would be it. You do the do's and don't do the don'ts. But a lot of things wouldn't be included on the list if it was that way. And the trouble is, you'd forget that it wasn't just a matter of doing do's and Not doing don'ts, just living right, but it's a matter of what's inside you, your heart, your whole being. And notice, congregation, that Lord's Day 33 asks about true repentance then. The Catechism asks about true things more often. Lord's Day 7 asks, what is true faith? And later on, in Lord's Day 5 asks about prayer which pleases God and is heard by Him. True prayer. So, faith and repentance and prayer, the Catechism asks, what's true faith, true repentance, true prayer? Apparently, there are also untrue, imitation, fake faith, repentance, and prayer, which look like the real thing, but are imitations. And the question is, how do we know what the real thing is? What's the mark of true repentance? Well, it's about your heart. That's what it's about. What your heart is set on. True repentance, you see, with true repentance, the heart is focused on God, your heart. With imitation repentance, the heart is focused on the self. Take the dying of the old nature, the sinful nature we inherit from Adam. That old nature is insensitive toward God and sensitive toward self. It wants you to follow your own desires. So then you might say good things about God yet. Maybe your behavior changes from bad to good. But you don't really say good things and do good things for God. But you do it for yourself to make yourself look good. And feel good maybe. then your heart is actually still focused on yourself. But if that old nature becomes weaker, is chased out of the house of your life more and more, then your your heart becomes more and more focused on God, on pleasing God. And then you're sorry that you have offended God with your sin. There's heartfelt sorrow. And then there's heartfelt joy in doing what God requires. And that's true repentance. It's not about you then, it's about God. See, if I I drive too fast on the highway and I get a speeding ticket from the police, then I can have a lot of regret. So dumb, right, to drive so fast. Wasted money. Imitation repentance can have remorse and regret like that. Shouldn't have done it. Now I have to deal with the consequences of what I did. Like Judas. He hung himself after he betrayed the Lord. A lot of regret. But no true repentance. True repentance is sorrow that you have offended God. Heartfelt sorrow. Oh God, I offended you. You who show, have shown me so much love. You who carry me day by day and provide for me what I have. I crucified Jesus anew. Jesus who suffered so much for me. And I insulted the spirit who wants to lead me and guide me in the way everlasting. Oh, Father, I'm not worthy to be called your child in Christ, your adopted child. I hate what I did and I don't want to fall into it ever again. Help me so I won't be deceived by my old nature again and caught in the net of sin. I want to be as far away as possible from that sin and from the people and the things that lead to that sin. And I want to be, I want to live as close as I can to you. You see, that's dying of the old nature. And that's the coming to life of the new. Heartfelt joy in God through Christ, through Christ. Everybody's happy with health With a good job, a nice place to live, success at school or in work. But true repentance is joy in God through Christ. Being joyful in heart because of Christ's cross, I'm reconciled with God. Even if my life isn't going that well. Even if I'm living kind of cramped. It's joy in being able to live for him. To live in holiness. The holier the better. In order to honor your God in Christ. Father teach me to devote my life to you. Give me insight in your law. So I know your will for my whole life. I want to serve you with all my heart. My soul. My mind. My strength. See with true repentance congregation. The hardest Focused on God in Christ. When I sin I feel sorry about what I do to him. And I beg him for his forgiveness in Christ. And then I also at the same time ask him to guide me. And discipline me. So that I can walk in his good ways. That's repentance. True repentance. Heartfelt sorrow about self. And heartfelt joy in God through Christ. Those two intertwine. And then it's you realize then it's not about me. about my happiness, my success, how good I look to other people. It's about Him, about living for Him, how I am in God's sight, no matter what other people might say or think. So, again, imitation repentance is all about me, myself, and I. Counterfeit repentance is change in behavior because of the consequences, but without heartfelt love for and joy in God and Christ. It's about being afraid of ending up in hell, but having real, no real desire to be with God, really, in his kingdom. And it's about making excuses for your sin in your heart. It's because of what that person did to me. They made me do it, or circumstances pushed me to it. And then you don't really truly acknowledge your sin or sinfulness before God. And then there's no real desire and joy in doing what God has commanded in his word. It's a pain to do what God wants. And if there's no true repentance, then you can't enter the kingdom of God. We confess that in answers 87 of the previous Lord's Day. Maybe you think, I'm living quite decently, nicely. I don't really feel all that sinful. Don't really feel that sinful. Maybe you think, I'm pretty happy with the way I am. I don't, I don't feel like I really need to repent and change, be renewed. Then you're fooling yourself. You're fooling yourself. Because then you have no idea... How much sin still lives in you yet. And how desperately you need Jesus Christ. And then God says to you through his word. You need to repent. You need to repent and come to me. Your old nature is still reigning in your heart. You're going to end up being lost forever. With that kind of an attitude. Wake up. Crucify that old nature. Come to me in Christ. There's complete Forgiveness in him and complete grace for renewal with him, with his spirit. Again, repentance isn't true if you're feeling pretty satisfied with yourself. And you don't really want to change anything. It is true though, if you see every time again. How far you feel short. And every time new things. You get through one thing. And there's something new that you need to deal with. Another sin. And another one. And if you then also seek your life. Outside of yourself in Christ. No excuse. No procrastination. No change. Outward change only. But going to God in Christ with open heart. Wanting to change. That's true repentance, and it's not easy. It's not easy because it means big-time struggle for everybody. And we come to the last part of the sermon then. True repentance means struggle. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, so faith faith means a life of ongoing repentance. And thus, a lifetime of struggle for every believer. Every believer has this battle going on inside. If you're not not a believer, you don't have that battle. But believers have two desires battling for control of their hearts. The old nature with its selfish and sinful desires. And the new nature with its desire to love and serve God. In Galatians 5.17, the apostle describes it this way. For the desires of the flesh are against the desires of the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against those of the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. To keep you from doing the things you want to do. Two opposing forces in one life. Two residents who don't get along in one house. Old man and new man. Old nature, big and strong. It does have a mortal wound, though. But it's not dead yet. Like a large snake, a python which has had its head cut off. I heard that a python with its head cut off can thrash around and cause a lot of damage yet. A lot of harm. And then there's the new nature which has come in Christ and it can be so small and weak yet, right? You can compare it to two dogs in a run constantly fighting with each other. The one wants to dominate the other. And which dog is going to be the strongest? Which will dominate? Well, the dog, I I can tell you which one is going to dominate. It's going to be the dog that gets the most food. The dog that is fed least becomes weaker. While the dog that gets fed more will become stronger. And your life is something like a dog run like that. And then the question is, which dog are you feeding the most right now? The old nature with its desires... You can feed him, for instance, with what you watch on television or, or on computer. Or you can feed him with what you read. You can feed him when you associate with certain people. He thrives on adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, dissensions, envy, drunkenness, revelries, and the like the more you take in or associate it even with those kind of things, the more you feed that old nature. Anger. Envy. It loves, that old nature loves the smell of sin and feeds on it. And then when you feed it a lot, it gets stronger and stronger. And you know... What that old nature can't stand? When you pray. Prayer chokes it off so that it doesn't get fed. Can't eat what it wants to. And it becomes weak. And you know what can also break that old nature? Admonition or chastening. It doesn't like it when you see things as they really are and when you realize how much you need the relationship with God. And when you encounter troubles in your life, you can ask God to use that to humble you. And, and that helps you push down that old nature when you're humbled. And then that other dog in the run, the new nature. The Bible is telling you, feed that one. Feed that dog. Feed it with the word. The gospel is food and energy for the new nature. That nature feeds on the salvation and righteousness and holiness of God. It becomes stronger every time you feed it with the preaching of the gospel. Every time you you seriously study that word privately or with others. Bible study. It's energized by the sacraments. It's strengthened by good reading. For instance, putting the Reformed Outfitters app on your phone and reading an article a day, or opening up Reformed Perspective magazine. The, the new nature thrives on that. Strong gets strong through that, and on prayer. Prayer is energy food for that nature and makes it strong. And so the question is, which nature? Do you foster and feed and pamper the old nature or the new? How much time and energy and care do you put into for the new nature? Yes, it's the spirit of Christ who works renewal and repentance. But he's not going to do that without us. Let's give the new nature launch to eat and grow. And yes, then the Spirit gives that growth too. And yes, one day the new nature will overpower the old then. And then the next, the old nature is going to be stronger than the new. That happens. One day, one is stronger. The other day, the other is stronger. And that struggle is going to go on in each one of us till we leave this life or until Christ returns. Don't be afraid of it. Embrace the struggle. And then, when Christ returns, or when we leave this life, congregation, then the struggle will be over. Then you reap the reward of that struggle, too. Then the old will be completely exterminated, and the new will be totally triumphant. And will be fully cleansed houses for the Spirit of Christ to live in forever. A spiritual being, says Paul, 1 Corinthians 15. And what a joy it will be to be that. No more struggle, but able to live with God as completely new in Christ forever. And doesn't that prospect make that struggle today? a glorious one to keep up here, to keep it up from day to day. Amen. Congregation, let's sing in response to the proclamation. Psalm 19, stanzas 4 and 6.